He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. What a great day. This is Victory Sunday, and we are so glad that you are worshiping with us today. Now, I understand we have a whole bunch of grade school friends that are worshiping with us today. If you are in grade school, I want you to raise your hand right now. Hopefully, you were given a very special bulletin program so that you can uh, be active during our service today as well. And on the back, there is actually a fill-in-the-blank word search that is our sermon outline. And if you fill that out and take it back to Miss Cassandra and Miss Allison, they are going to have a prize for you at the end of the service today. Um, I know that when we gather on Easter Sunday, we have people that come on Easter Sunday that are here every Sunday, and we have people that come on Easter Sunday services that are here occasionally, and we have people that come on Easter Sunday, and maybe you're only here on Easter Sunday or a couple times a year, and I want you to know we are glad that all of you are here today. I want to speak to the members and regular attenders for just a moment about an exciting opportunity that you have. Cody, our student minister, is working with our junior high students to take them next weekend to an awesome spiritual life development event called Believe, and we're inviting you to take a stake, and you can find out more information about that in your bulletin. Cody's going to be in the back following our service today. Again, if you're a visitor and and you're here today as a guest, do not feel obligated whatsoever, but if you are a regular around here, we want to invite you to participate in that. I I love the uh, video that Samuel put together that showed the different phrases that Jesus said while he was on the cross. We are almost finished with a sermon study entitled Crosswords, looking at the words of Jesus on the cross. And and next week we're going to wrap it up. Adam's going to preach and and share Jesus' words. Today you'll be with me in paradise. But today we're going to consider what the Apostle John says are the very last words that Jesus uttered on the cross. So we're going to do some Good Friday, and we're going to do some Easter Sunday, and we're going to talk about what it all means. I have a confession to make, and if you know me, this will not surprise you at all. But for all of my life, I have loved sports. Um, When I was a kid, I really loved sports, and this was before there was an ESPN, much less an ESPN 2, 3, 4, 5, 360, any of that stuff. And so I really had to scramble to watch sports on the television. And I remember you had the baseball game of the week, and you could occasionally catch a line-eye basketball in Channel 3. That's back when they were good, and they actually won games, and you wanted to watch them. But my favorite sporting event of all was the ABC Wide World of Sports. Does anybody remember ABC's Wide World of Sports? I loved it because they showed the sports that maybe we didn't think a lot about or we didn't know a lot about. They showed auto racing. They showed horse racing. They showed boxing. They showed all of the Olympic sports. And I would love, more than anything else, not even the actual events, but the 60-second introduction that would take place every week. And they would talk about the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And I loved when they talk about the thrill of victory. One year, it'd be some guy from Germany or France or Italy, and he'd be kicking the game-winning goal uh, to to win the World Cup. And I would find myself as a 7-year-old, 8-year-old in my backyard pretending that I was that German or or I was that Italian and I had scored the game-winning goal. And sometimes they would show boxing and they'd show that mean uppercut and someone, the knees buckling and going down. And I'd get my little sister and I'd say, stand right there. And I, now I didn't really, I wanted to a couple times, but I didn't really do that. But one thing I never wanted to play out 
was the agony of defeat. Does anybody here remember the, the visual for the agony of defeat? Remember? Is the ski jumper, right? And he was ready to go, and everything's going great, and he's almost down to the bottom, and something goes wrong, and he starts to slide, and the next thing you know, he's tumbling and stumbling and bumbling, and he's crashing into things, and, and that was the agony of defeat. His name was actually, his, na- his name is Vinko Bogatov. And he was an incredible Yugoslavian ski jumper. And what's really interesting about the the infamous moment of his crash and burn as he's trying to jump, he'd actually had a personal best earlier that day. He'd set his personal all-time record. But all anyone remembers is his tumbling, stumbling, bumbling to the bottom and that agony of defeat. And I just remember thinking, I don't want to ever taste the agony of defeat. I want to taste that thrill of victory, but I don't want to taste the agony of defeat. I really believe that if we wanted to try to summarize what Easter weekend is all about, and I'm not just talking about Victory Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, but I'm talking about Thursday and the garden and and the beatings and the whippings and Good Friday and six hours on the cross. Here is how I would describe the story of Easter weekend. It's the agony of victory. The agony of victory. We, we don't think of agony and victory being tied together. A year ago next weekend, I ran my first and only half marathon. And by the time I got to 13.1 miles and I was high-fiving some guy dressed up like Abe Lincoln, I, I made two commitments at that point. Number one, I would never, ever again put myself through that. But number two, I felt awful and great all at the same time. I felt the agony of victory. And when we consider Good Friday, when we consider Jesus on the cross, when we consider those awful, horrible six hours from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., it's the story of the agony of victory. Let's look at the word of the Lord, John chapter 19. I invite you to turn there. If not, it's up on our screen. But we're going to begin reading with verse 28 of John 19. It says, Later, knowing that all was now completed, And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And Adam tackled that a couple weeks ago as we journeyed through this study together. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Finished. And with that, Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The death of Jesus, fully God, fully man, perfect in every way, the hope for mankind died hanging on a tree. And his last words, according to John, it is finished. And so this morning, I'm not going to preach for a long time, but I want us to consider what was finished. What what was Jesus communicating when he shared those three simple words, it is finished. And number one is this, Jesus was communicating that his suffering was finished. I won't go into gruesome detail, but the crucifixion was awful. It was an awful spectacle. They took all your dignity, they nailed you to a tree, 
They hung you until you died. You died by suffocation. As you were being crucified, you had to push up in order to gain a breath. And after a while, you just didn't have the strength anymore. And so you died. A death of suffocation. Crucifixion. When Jesus musters the strength near 3 o'clock in the afternoon to say it is finished, he is saying his suffering was finished once and for all. Isaiah the prophet gives us a picture 700 years before Jesus was even born of what that will look like. He says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And when Jesus says it is finished, the suffering is finished. The agony is finished. The suffering will be no more. Secondly, what was finished? The sacrifice itself was finished. If you were to go back to what I consider the most difficult chapter in the entire Bible to read, it's not one of the chapters that deal about the death of Jesus. And that may seem surprising to you. I think the most difficult chapter in the whole Bible to read is Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is the reason Jesus had to go to the cross and die. And in Genesis chapter 3, man, everything's great as it begins. You're in the garden, and Adam and Eve, they're loving life, and, and everything is wonderful. If there's a word that I could wrap around, it'd be that word utopia. And God said, this whole place is yours. Love life, love one another, enjoy everything, but just one stipulation. There's one tree, one tree you may not eat the fruit from. Any other tree, it's fair game, but stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And parents, let's be honest, if we tell our kids they can go anywhere but one place, where are they probably going, right? That started with Adam and Eve. And so they ate the fruit and everything changed. That's the birth of sin. And it was a problem in Genesis 3, and it's a problem for us today. Up until the time of Jesus, God's people tried to figure out, how do we deal with sins? How do we cover sins? How do we atone for sins? How do we roll sins forward? And they came up with this idea of the animal sacrifice. Now, do I have any animal lovers here today? Okay? I I, I like animals for the most part. I didn't really like those coyotes that were howling at me at 5 o'clock this morning. But for the most part, I like animals as well. And there are parts of the Old Testament that if you're an animal lover, you won't want to read. Because it was during that time that God's people were told, you have to kill this animal. You have to kill this ram. You have to kill this lamb. You have to kill this animal. And that blood that's being shed, that's going to cover your sins. It's going to roll your sins forward for another year. And so how different would church be today if we came in and I grabbed a goat and I slapped that goat down on this communion table? I mean, building and grounds would be ticked, and I take out my big old knife and I just start gouging it. We don't even want to think about that, right? Blood would be everywhere. You wouldn't want to wear your Sunday best, your Easter Sunday best for a spectacle like that. And when Jesus said, it is finished, the sacrifice was finished once and for all. Hebrews 9 says, but now he has appeared once for all. At the end of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus changed it. And so we can come to church and the band can play and we can take communion and we can celebrate and we don't have to kill animals anymore. Jesus Christ became that one time for all time sacrifice because I'm a sinner. Because you're a sinner. Sacrifice was finished. Number three, what was finished? Satan was finished. Number three. Satan was finished. 
At this point, I'm going to say something that may seem a little weird to some of you. You may even want to check my temperature afterwards. You're going to say, I'm not sure about all that. I believe that there is a supernatural battle being waged. I really do. And I believe that Satan wants nothing more than to tear me down and to tear you down and to divide and to cause dissension. I think without a doubt, that's Satan's game plan. And that's not a new battle. You know, from the very beginning, it's the serpent, Satan, that tricks Adam and Eve. Jesus, early in his life, Matthew 4, Luke 4, goes through temptation. Satan tries to trick him into sinning. But when Jesus died on that cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, and when he rose again on Victory Sunday, Satan was finished. And that's the awesome thing about being a follower of Jesus. Let me throw that in there. That when you're a follower of Jesus, we know how the story ends. We know that every day will be victory day for all of eternity if Jesus is Lord of your life. Colossians 1, Paul shares these words. He says, for he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Satan is finished. He's on borrowed time if you are a follower of Jesus. Number four, what is finished? The power of sin was finished. Anybody here struggle with sin? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We all do, right? We all do. If you don't ever struggle with sin, um, we need to talk afterwards because we all struggle with sin. There are times in my life I feel a lot like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 writes these words. Now, just a reminder, the Apostle Paul, greatest missionary the world has ever seen. The Apostle Paul wrote half of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was the man. I mean, he had it going. And he writes in Romans chapter 7, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And then he says, what a wretched man am I. And that, my friends, is the power of sin when it starts playing with your mind. starts playing with your heart. Satan starts deceiving. You start believing the lies. You start saying, maybe I'm not very good. Maybe I am an awful person. Maybe I don't have any hope. Maybe there is nothing to live for. Those are lies of Satan intertwined with the power of sin. Paul in Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, the power of sin was finished. Peter, late in his life, writes in 1 Peter 3, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you. And I'm, that's not just a general statement. He's saying to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. When Jesus said, it is finished, the power of sin was finished. Number five, and finally this morning, when Jesus said, it is finished, doubt and despair were finished. This life can be really discouraging. This life can really stink. And I'll be honest, I could use words a lot stronger than that. I have used words a lot stronger than that, unfortunately. Because this world can be really discouraging. 
You know, we look around sometimes and, and we say, um, why, why are bad things happening to good people? Why do 18-year-old football stars who live for Jesus die a death of natural causes? We don't get it. We say, why do people that have lived for Jesus all their life get cancer? Why? It doesn't make sense. I've been around a lot of death, and I've been around a lot of funerals. That's kind of par for the course in ministry. But one recent death, um, it really slapped me right upside the head. It really kind of threw me into a funk. Marla and I have some really good friends, little village of Chestnut. Trisha um, found out she had cancer five years ago, and I mean, she loved the Lord. She was crazy in her love for Jesus. She was unashamed in her love for Jesus. And I just kept thinking, man, God is going to use her life. There's going to be a miracle. People are going to say, wow, look at her. And um, sitting at the Chinese restaurant in Lincoln, and the word came in that she had passed in late January. I rarely can't eat. Rarely can I not eat. I couldn't eat. I got a punch in the stomach. And it was six days until her funeral, and that whole time, I just, I think looking back, I was kind of mad at God. I was kind of like, where's the miracle? Trisha? She's 47. What's going on? I don't get it. And yet that day, that Friday in January, late January, we gathered at the Assembly of God, and Tammy Wilson shared a testimony, other people shared testimonies, and it was truly a day of celebration. Were there tears? Absolutely. But there was so much joy. Because even though her life on earth had ended, even though she was not cured of her cancer, she, she was healed. And she's living with Jesus. And that's the power of it is finished. No matter how awful life gets, no matter how discouraging life can be, doubt and despair or no more, if Jesus is Lord of your life. You know what we call that? We call that victory. Victory. The agony of victory. We sang a song during our first service. And I love this song. It's a hymn. We sing it sometimes second service. It's a song that helps me focus at times that I need to, to be focused and be a big picture Christian and not let the junk of this world get the best of me. And it's called victory in Jesus. And we're going to put these words up on the screen here. Um, we're going to try to do something. We're going to try to sing this song together. And I'm going to try to lead you in this song. And that's really dangerous because I am not a song leader and there's no instruments that are going to be playing. But let's put those words up on the screen. And let's sing together victory in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood.
bottom line, here's your bottom line for today. Today is a victory Sunday. Are you part of the celebration? Nothing stinks more for an athlete to be on the court when the championship is won and you're not part of the celebration. And I've been there before. And they're dancing around and they're high-fiving and, you know, the, the Pointer Sisters are playing and it's celebration, all of that. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, this really stinks. And that's Easter Sunday if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And so if today's not Victory Sunday for you, if you're not part of the celebration, why not? When you came in today, there was a little book on your pew. And if you didn't get one of these books, because some of these pews are like crammed, we've got extra books at the Welcome Center. I want everyone to leave here today with this book. It's called Believe the Hope of Easter. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I implore you to take an hour. You can read it in an hour. You can read it in a half hour probably. And read what Randy Frazee writes about the hope of Jesus, the hope of Easter. If you are a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, I want you to read it as well. But I don't want you to hang on to it. I want you to give it away. I believe God puts people in our world that need hope, that don't have the hope of Jesus. And this might be the first step for you to share your faith in Jesus Christ. Victory Sunday. Let's celebrate. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the agony of victory. And thank you that even though Jesus did die an awful death, victory is ours. We can celebrate because he rose again. Thank you so much for the hope we have because of Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Be thankful for the free gift of God, eternal life. Paul describes the gift in the serious terms of sacrifice by Jesus. The Lord said, this is my body, which was broken for you. The picture is one of ultimate service. He paid the price for our salvation. Paul invites us to remember that sacrifice, that suffering, and that service. Let's pray together. Father, in scriptures of old, the psalmist said in the 60th Psalm, with God, we will gain the victory. Now, Father, we understand the victory that is ours through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. During this communion time, we're going to sing a song. It's called For the Cross, and it tells the story uh, of Jesus and how it is finished. So as we sing this, uh, I would encourage you just to reflect 